Welcome to episode 11, Out of the Ether. I am still Tim Brick, and I'm still your host for this podcast. And this week is part two of my conversation with Mark Rodeo, and we have a very special treat this week, particularly for all the Itis fans. But quite frankly, if you're not an Itis fan, I think you might be after this week. We're going to world premiere, I love saying that, galactically premiere. <laughs> Uh, demo track, and I do want to say it is a demo, so it may change when the album gets released, but I think it's pretty close to the final uh, of a song that Mark was uh, nice enough to share with me. But uh, I'm just going to be quiet now and go back to my conversation with Mark Rodeo. As far as songs, and I mean, I, there's there's so many songs, and there's one in particular we're going to get to, and I've talked to you about this song before, but um, before we get there, I just want to ask you, do you have any favorites that jump out? You know, for me, um, a lot of the stuff that I tend to really, really like is the stuff that kind of fell off. Okay. Like we we basically, um, I know a lot of bands will go in and they'll they'll write, you know, 15, 20 songs, and then they'll pick and choose what are going to go on the record. We just threw them all on. We had 21 songs on our first record. I, I noticed um, that, by the way. And then other ones, I had like 17. I thought, God, nobody yeah. puts that many on, on a on We a just filled up the CD. Yeah. We're like as much as the CD. Yeah, you're like, how how many gigabytes do. we have left? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then song I mean, songs we thought were gonna be the song, they weren't. And other ones people, you know, just jumped on. So it was better that we did it that way anyway, because you just don't know what people are gonna really, really like. So for me, I would I guess technically I'd call them B sides, but a lot of the songs that that I would want to listen to were some of those. Like now that we only play once or twice a year beforehand, a couple months before we're going to play, we kind of circulate an email. Are there any, you know, stuff that's because we kind of kept like everybody keep these songs. Make sure you know these songs. You know, we, we put a list of songs together. Then it's like, hey, are there any songs that we don't do a lot that you guys want to do? So everybody could have time to listen to them. And then we, you know, that way we'd be able to do them live. Because when you don't play, you don't have time for practice right. or anything like that. It's, it's, it's something that you have to do like that. So for me, there's there's a lot of songs. Um, and also for me, my favorite records are the ones that aren't necessarily other people's favorites. Like, It Is, Isn't It, our second CD, Disconnected, our fourth CD, So Messed Up, our ninth CD, are probably my three favorite. Um, whereas Nutbag and Eat Us and those... So albums are best-selling records. Um, those are big fan favorites, you know. Now, what makes um, what makes the ones you mentioned your favorites? What is it about them that's different from the ones that were the more popular records? Well, there's songs on those records that are very popular that we still play to this day. You know, I think the running th theme between all three were that they were fairly concise pop records. You know, they they okay. didn't. Um, they didn't run off that much, and I, I think, especially with um, Disconnected, that's probably my most personal album. Forgiven is absolutely the most personal song I've ever put out there, and I'm, I tried to write that subject, geez, three, four times before that, and that's the only time I got to it where it really was like, yeah, this, this is it. 
Well, it's so. interesting that you just mentioned forgiving because I, I was going to get to that. And I definitely am, am want it to be a part of this podcast because I want all the audience mm-hmm. to hear it. But in particular, and that's the song I was referencing when I said I've talked to you about this song before. It's mm-hmm. Forgiven because it really struck me when I heard it. I'm like, what a beautiful song. But yet at the same time, I was like, God, these lyrics are feeling kind of heavy to me. And I want to ask Mark what inspired these. But I, real quick, that the last line, and I love this line, A Brief Life... Uh, which I know that I must start living. So to me, it has now been written that for me, you are forgiven. And to end it like that, and do you want to, are you okay sharing with everybody yeah, what that song's about? Man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I put it on a record. I might as well. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. but you know, as a songwriter, there's things that I've written over the years that are deeply, deeply personal. Um, and I don't have any problem writing the song and putting it out there, but I, I don't know if I'd, if I'd be comfortable on an interview <laughs> going into the weeds on what all of them are about. So well, I appreciate that you're willing to do that. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, I was, um, I was molested by my father between the ages of six and seven, and I repressed all those memories. And it wasn't until shortly after he died, um, end of 1989 into the beginning of 1990, I started waking up all the time with crazy, crazy dreams. Didn't know what they were monsters, all kinds of stuff that didn't make any sense. I eventually got, I found a, um, a therapist that worked well with me and um, started undergoing it and, you know, brought all the memories back. And I, you know, figured out why I did some of the things that I did before and why this was this way. And it, you know, started to make sense. And so, you know, I always wanted to write about that subject. Right. And f- with this song, that's what I mean. I had to forgive him for me. Not for him. You right. know, even if he were still alive, it wouldn't have been for him. It was so that I could move past it. You know, I, I had to say, you know, you're forgiven, you know, because I need to write this out. I need to I, I need to not let this change the way I act or how I feel or or have any reaction. I'm taking the power away from you. Yeah. You know, that's, I'm not. You've had this power over me while you're alive. The hell if you're going to have it over me while you're dead. So. That was that was that song for me. I, I would imagine um, after going through that process and particularly like recording that track, um, and, and the reason I'm saying I would imagine this, um, I will share this. I mean, I've spent some time in some pretty intensive therapy in my life. It, it, once you get to those kind of moments in your life, those traumas, and you actually work through it with another human being and share that, you know, these things that you're holding that you're like, no one can ever know this about me. And then you share it and you realize, well, that person didn't reject, you know, it's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to put into words the feeling of lightness that I had after that and how, and how subtly certain behaviors that I thought were, well, that's just who I am suddenly weren't who I was anymore. I mean, like things changed and you realize, wow, that's all attributed back to this trauma and the way I was not dealing with it. And so I guess I'm, Being a little long-winded, but my question to you is, did you you feel that same kind of catharsis? Did you feel some changes and shifts in your behavior and your life after you are able to do that? Absolutely. And it was still a working process because I had a lot of years to, you know, turn around. But with this song, now talk about just sharing it with another person. Now I'm putting it out there. Yes. I'm just saying everyone can have it. Whether you're getting out of it what I got out of it, you know, and then every night of doing it, just it's more cathartic it's more cathartic i mean that was one of the great things about um us playing we didn't keep set lists i just had a list of songs and i called them off as i read the room or with requests we had a dry erase board for requests you know no matter how i was feeling 
when I got to the show, I knew how I'd be feeling when I was done. Yeah. If it's, and I just, I kind of called the night that way too. If I was unable to get out of my head because I was angry, I called an angry few songs or an angry set, or I'd call a sad set. You know, and a lot of times I just call a happy set. You know? <laughs> just, um, yeah. No matter how, if, if I was stuck in my head, there's nothing like that to get it out because you don't, you can't dwell. You know, you've, you've got to, you, the song's rolling. You yeah. Know, you're not backing it up. You, you, and with that song, like forgiven as a, as a point, you get lost in the words in that song and there's no getting back. I yeah. Mean, it's just, there's, there's no getting back around to it. Did you ever so, have a, uh, um, instance of performing that song where you, you couldn't get through it? No. Okay. Mm-mm. No, it was always a really, um, it was always a healthy step. You okay. know? Just doing the song was always a healthy step. It, I'm a fortunate person that I had that vehicle and that, you know, that was a part of my life because most, most people don't. Right. You know, and some of them can work it out through therapy and some can only go so far, you know. And, and for me, I, I got what I could with therapy. I, I open book as far as that goes on stage, you know, just let it out and make jokes about it. It's You've just got to, I don't know, the more serious the subject, the, the lighter we wanted to be with it, the more you know, fun we wanted to have with it. Right. And, you know, and we, another you know, thing about, like I said, it might not be that for everyone who listens to that song. I've had people come up to me and go, hey, man, I love this song. It means this to me and it means this to me. Was that what you thought? And I'm like, no, but well, what did you think? That doesn't matter, man. It's, yeah. it's your song now. And I, I've always felt that way. Just once you put it out, it's not yours anymore. It's just not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, people are going to, it's going to mean to people what it's going to mean. And, you know, some people draw a lot of comfort out of these songs. And sometimes it's nothing to do with what I was thinking when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm not going to ruin it for him by telling him what was in my head. Wait, I think it's very interesting you just said that because I, cause I feel the same way. You know, so I've been writing songs. Well, the first song I wrote, I think I was like 12, and I wrote some song about driving, because this is what you're listening to. You're like driving fast in my car and smoking <laughs> weed and like girl and blah, blah, blah. And I go up to my mom you know, with my crappy little guitar or whatever, and, and I'm playing, I'm, Mom, I wrote this song, I'm going to play it for you. And I'll never forget my mom looks at me, and she's like, uh, I get all done with it, and I'm so proud that I wrote a song. And she's like, I think you should write about what you know about. <laughs> but you know what? It was sage advice. It was actually very sage advice. I was a little crushed at the moment. But um, uh, I, I love what you just said, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, there's definite thoughts, uh, experiences, things in each of my, my songs that they're based on. And some start with a grain of a kernel of reality and then go into fantasy. I mean, that happens with some songs are just completely, nothing I would ever say is completely fictitious. I've written, there's usually something in there that sparks it, but, um, but it means a lot to me, but I, I I agree with that. I've had people over the years, same thing, like, Oh, I love blown away or whatever, you know, this song. And this is really cool, and this is what it's about. And, that, and I'm thinking, that's not wasn't what it was about the day I wrote it, but it's what it's about now, you know, to you in this moment. It's, yeah, That's all that matters. I mean, if you've gleaned that, and that's what works for you, then great. I mean, I'd rather have you say, I love this song, and this is what yes. it means for me and stuff, than say, man, I really hate that song. Well, what, you know, what do you so. say we go ahead and we play um, Forgiven for everybody right now? Great. All right. This is uh, Forgiven. 
written by uh, lyrics by uh, Mark Rodeo. And I guess, did Craig write the music then and bring, give Craig you the music? Wrote and then... the music. I wrote the melody, which I guess would be music sure, as well. Sure, absolutely. Um, so that and the words on this one. Okay. Well, this is Forgiven by Ida's.
this takes Take all of the rhyme of which dictates All the mind which it mistakes A brief life Which I know that I must not live in So to me it has now been written That for me you are forgiven So now I, I think everyone can understand the uh, conversation that preceded listening to that song, you know, <laughs> that you've had a chance to hear it. I, okay, mm. another song i got to ask you about, <clears throat> and this is perfect based on the conversation we've been having about songwriting. Because um, I, I do believe that every song, there's some kernel of truth, in, in, or 99% of them anyway. Diary, mm-hmm. was, that, was that a real experience? Um, okay, so... <laughs> Start off. I didn't write a single word on that. Song. Oh, you did not. Okay, I did not. I did not. Because you sing um, it with such conviction, I just assumed that well, yeah. was your life. <laughs> no, no. Um, gosh, I, I've said this on stage, so I don't think Mike will be upset with me about it. But he um, had a girlfriend, and we, we he found out later into the relationship that while we were on the road, not only was she doing meth, but she had been sleeping with meth dealer and then reading his journal and then using what she read in his journal against him in fights to try to start fights and stuff oh my god okay yeah and so we we came off the road and we were still in dog man's house and craig's like hey i want to play the song for you and so we go into his room and he puts on diary and on a piece of paper he had some notes of stuff that he, you know, song ideas and stuff. And one wrote, one of them was, don't read my diary. And so he finished, the song finishes, Mike, and I, because he was singing it on the okay. song. I wasn't singing it. He's yeah. singing the track. It's the demo. And um, Mike, and I were like, that's kick-ass. And we looked at the page, and he goes, oh, that's for another song. And Mike and I were like, oh, no, no that's <laughs> this song. That's the name of this song. Yeah. So Craig wrote that for Mikey. Mike appreciate it. it. Sounds like he did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, during the intros of that song, when I was explaining it and stuff, he'd be just like, "Well, now right, is is, <laughs> is that is that uh, the biggest Itis song to date, or are there other ones?" That I would say than it's that? the most popular. Yeah. yeah. It's probably. Or it's definitely our most popular song. It's just so easy for everyone to identify. And yes. You know, when you say "fuck" fifty times in one song, <laughs> between that and everybody's just a little fucked up, we've got eighty fucks out of two songs. Well, it, um, the thing about Diary too is the way it starts. You know, mm-hmm. it's so um, 
almost what's what's the right there's like a frivolity to it like oh this is kind yeah. of this fun little song blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and then it goes so dark so quick yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now that i'm here yeah. in the backstory i'm like oh okay that makes perfect sense <laughs> you know you got <laughs> yeah. like the, oh i love this girl and then all the crap that's going on behind the scenes it's like perfect juxtaposition the verses to the chorus it makes perfect sense and people would request it for their exes and their exes were usually itis fans we had a couple occasions where Things got bad. <laughs> Things got. <laughs> people were screaming at each other and stuff. You were not supposed to dedicate that song to me. I was like, well, well. Speaking of things going bad, because a question that um, I ask any of my guests that also are performing artists, um, mm-hmm. I always ask them any any bad performances that jump out to you over the course of your career. Mm, well, bad experiences, you know. Oh, lots of bad experiences. I mean, we've, um, like I said, uh, there's lots of people that did not like us very much and um we've uh we've had a a few times where um things got physical and oh uh, really okay oh yeah 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 there's one at the end of the double live dvd from here in colorado springs and that's the thing that these people don't understand is they think they're just come to to fight with us they don't understand that there's a couple hundred people behind them that have been waiting for this moment of the night and they're all coming in feet first. Yeah. So it's not just, <laughs> and it's always been Mikey and I, Mikey and I are always the two that are involved probably cause I've got the biggest mouth and, um, Mikey and I kind of grew up the same way having to fight our way. I'm the youngest of six. Yeah. So I was, I was knocked down from the time I was able to walk and, um, Mikey grew up in, Maryland and was uh, bust into DC uh, schools with the when they did the whole desegregation thing, the busing program. So he had to, to fight his way through as well. So anytime anything went down, um, it was he and I. Um, and the f- I mean, we had one in Brainerd where the guy um, Craig was saying something about his girlfriend. It was just making a joke. He wasn't being you know shitty. Right. And they all of a sudden the guy jumps on stage. I didn't even see him coming from the lights and pushes me on the shoulders and you know, like knocks me back off the mic, which like, if you're going to jump on stage, don't lead with a push. <laughs> yeah. And before I could even come towards him, I see Mikey's southpaw from around the side of his head. Just I'm like, okay, it's on. So get him off the stage where the gear is. And sure enough, everybody came in from the crowd and, um, you know, we came back two months later and all of his friends are thanking us. They're like he was a jerk. He would start things in bars, and we would always have to, you know, help him and right. fight his way out. And now he he doesn't do that any longer. So thank you guys. <laughs> hey, nope, no problem. We're no happy pleasure. to help. Yeah. <laughs> We're a full and service then, band. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a club in Wyoming. It was either Casper or Gillette. I can't remember. But um, we'd been on notice from an agent that was booking that area for a while. Like you guys get thrown out of another club, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna book you any longer. And we're we're starting the second or the third set, and uh, we st- we opened up with "If I Only Had a Dame." And for those who aren't Ice fans, we do a takeoff of "If I Only Had a Brain," right? Where you know, and I do it just by myself with a scarecrow. Well, actually, I think if, "If I Only Had a Dame" has gone pretty viral, hasn't it? Aren't there a bunch yes, of YouTube so, videos where people have taken yes, the song and so, created their own? Yeah. Yeah, animation. some guys in Germany made a cartoon of it a couple years after we put it out. People are like, you should sue. I'm like, sue for what? It's a parody. <laughs> We're happy that you're listening to it. Yeah. But, so then some guy comes up by the stage, and he's flipping us off. And 
I think Mikey basically went, yeah, like right here, pal, and grabbed his crotch or something. And I turned, this time I, I, I didn't see any of that go down. And I'm taking the scarecrow hat because it covered my eyes and everything off. And I turn and there's this guy on stage with Mikey's bass in his hand. And <laughs> he, he basically, Mikey got, was trying to get out of his bass and it smacked him in the lip. And they went down onto the dance floor and I just dove off the, da- off the stage onto this guy's back. I got his neck around my arm. I was about 152 pounds wet with my clothes on at the time. I managed to get him down to the ground. Well, this was not our club. So everybody that came in, they were coming on to me. They were hitting me. Yeah. One, one guy took three field goal shots of a, uh, right at my balls. Like, oh. Unbelievable. And I still hung on to this guy until he, <laughs> until he went to sleep. And so finally security gets in, and they're pulling the people off me. And the security guard grabs me, and he, like, smacks me. And I, I go, what? What the heck are you doing? Throw this guy out. And he's I, I can't. He's the owner. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. You're like, well, we're probably not booking here again. <laughs> and, no, and then Craig was like, Mark, Mark, we, you know, because we were so worried about getting, like, our agent not wanting to book us, that agent not booking us anymore. He's like, we got to finish the set. We got to finish. And I, <laughs> dude, I had a mood sack for a long time. It was turning colors, like purple oh, and brown and, and everything else. And we got home. Oh, no. So we get done. And one of the security guys was really cool. He was helping us, you know, watching us get our gear out and everything. We go back to the band house. There was a band house there. And it's on a property where they have another restaurant bar place, which was tented because they were remodeling it. So I just was like, I'm not bringing the guitars into this thing. So I grabbed a golf club because the guys had their golf clubs all the time. <laughs> and I went through the band house room by room with, with the one wood, making sure nobody's in there. So, okay, we're cool. I pick up a guitar to bring it into the van house, and from the tent comes the guy. Oh, my God. And I put the guitars down, and I'm ready, and Craig comes running up. He goes, Dan, Dan, I hope. Turns out they're twins. Nobody told me that. They're twin brothers. So he's like, yeah, I heard something. It's a good thing Craig interjected, because I would have been poorly real quick. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I heard something happen to the club, and Craig's kind of explaining it. So we get home, and the only reason I noticed is because Craig recorded it from the phone conversation because the agent calls and they want to book us back. <laughs> and Craig's like, you didn't hear what happened? And the agent goes, well, I, you know, I heard that you guys got in an altercation with some guy or something that looked like the owner. And Craig's like, no, man. And he tells him the whole thing. And he's like, you know, I'd love to go back, but, you know, and he's like, well, they've assured me that he won't be allowed in the club. And that was even more for Craig. You know, I'd love nothing more than to be able to play a club where the owner isn't allowed in, but I'm not the one with a fat lip. And 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 um, I didn't get kicked in the balls three times. He goes, Mark got kicked in the balls three times? <laughs> and I think that became a sample. But, yeah, we've, we had those days. We had those nights, and they happen. So what, what, what are some of the highlights? Probably playing with Larry Pierce, I'm imagining. Larry That's Pierce heavy. was... A humongous highlight of of um, just our careers in general. Because if you get a chance, um, check out the movie Dirty Country. I don't know if you can get it on Netflix or not. For a while, it was able to be rented by Netflix, but it was a an independent documentary about Larry Pierce. And we'd been a friend of ours, Dean Tran, in Minnesota, turned us on to Larry Pierce years before, and we were just like. I don't know. It was we wanted to meet the guy. We wanted to try to open for the guy. Sure. And we couldn't. We couldn't get any information on him. And um, 
our friends of ours, we were playing in Minneapolis and friends of ours on a Friday night, we're going to see this thing called the found footage festival, which the directors still do the, this whole thing. It's a, they go into dumpster diving and they pull out old videos and they put this footage together and they do a presentation and it's comedy and it's hilarious. So friends of ours were in Minneapolis uh, they they were doing the found footage festival and they were watching it at this bowling alley that they were putting it on at the very end um nick and joe go oh this is what your admission fee is paying for and they paid like a play like a five minute trailer of what they'd put together from the larry pierce movie and our friends looked at each other and just went itis and they went up to them and they're like you guys don't know these guys play the songs they've actually covered a couple on our records and they're in town and they're playing tomorrow night so they just came rolling into the club with their cameras and everything oh my god and, awesome and we called larry on stage and they caught the whole darn thing and then they they followed us around for the next six months as this whole thing transpired and larry and sandy became just family to us you know and and, playing... and didn't Idis play on one of his albums yeah, the okay. last two records that he made yeah. were done in our studio, crap okay. produced and everything, because he was out of his record contract, and he'd gotten on Howard Stern, and the records, it was like watching a slot machine go, just as they were going when he was on Stern. Wow. Um, but doing, we, we premiered the movie at the South by Southwest Festival, and it was the last day of the film festival and the first day of the music festival, and that was just a phenomenal experience. They had a tent set up with a few thousand people that we played for afterwards mm. we just ran into our sound man who was there with another band the guy that did sound for us in in st louis we just ran into on the street we're just like chris can you do sound for us tonight you know we'll get you into the movie we'll pay for your food and your drinks and it was that was a phenomenal experience uh gosh there's so many brick that stand out that i could tell you uh the first time we played the viper room we had been friends. We'd, we'd become friends with a band called Warner Drive out of Hollywood. Oh, and they kind of I opened for them one time. Yeah, they yeah, were here in Phoenix, they, yeah. Yeah, and they basically owned the Viper Room. And they were just like, because we put them up at our house and we, you know, whatever we had to do. And they're like, you guys got to come play. You got to come play out there. They gave us the prime slot on a Saturday night. The place was packed. Fire Marshal had closed the doors, weren't letting anybody else in. It was, I mean, tiny stage. We couldn't really do our entire show. You get, what, 40 minutes, I think, or something like yeah. that. But, um, you know, we had left Hollywood because we weren't that kind of band. You right. Know, there, was no, there was no place for us to play in, in California, really, to do what we did. To come back and have, just bring the house down, just absolutely tear it down. It was so great. And then hung out after hours with all of the the members of the staff and everything. And it's just like, it was a great feeling to come full circle like that and knock that down. Um, lots of shows in in Europe that were great. Some really funny. We we've played on the beach in Jamaica, like twenty feet from the sand. We played in the middle of the desert in Arizona at a club that was generator and solar power that you could only get to with ATVs. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. And we Now, how do you wind up with a gig like that? I mean, like who Craig Craig, Craig finds that somewhere? Craig, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Craig just finds it. The the um Jamaica one was in the grill at the Coca-Cola Palm and the family that owns it, their son Mike Mark, he's a big Itis fan and he just kept saying, I got to get you out there to play. I got to get you out there to play. And then there's another another very memorable show is um the German side of Switzerland, and uh, 
we had spent the night on one of the promoters of the German side's um, apartment. I slept on a tile floor in the kitchen on, a, on an army mat because <laughs> we, we were playing at a ski resort the next day. So we get there, and it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, I don't know, something like that. And we pull up, and we're like, so where are we going? Well, you're going up the mountain. Okay, and how are we getting our gear up there? They start throwing our amps into into the <laughs> ski lift. There'd be like a kid on a snowboard, and he'd have a Marshall amp next to <laughs> So there's like four loads going up, and I'm like, what's going on with our gear up there? So yeah. I'm, like, I'm taking the next one. I hopped in with the next amp, and they're just dropping our stuff in the snow. And it's not our stuff. We rent over there. Yeah. And they'd rent us gear with no cases, you know, and we're playing in front of tons of drunk people half the time without stages and stuff, and stuff would break. Yeah. We ended up calling us Damage Incorporated. Right <laughs> we there. So we, we get up and we're, we, we go set up and we're set up on a mound of snow next to a concession area where they served, you know, food and drink and all that kind of stuff with AstroTurf that was uneven, so mic stands and everything are cockeyed, <laughs> soundboard on the porta potty. And um, oh I, at God. the time, had a, a big army parka, and I basically zipped it all up to where it was almost like a Kenny hood, where all you could really see, and I put the <laughs> microphone in the hood. And I was not in a good mood, man. I was, I was tired, it was cold, um, you know, wind blown, really, really cold. And out of the middle of nowhere, probably four or five songs in after the song correct just goes up to the microphone and goes nice to see all you ladies eating your bratwurst and enjoying them today and it just <laughs> it just broke cracked up the whole rest of the show was a riot and we didn't even know till we were done that we can't get off the mountain the lifts are closed you know that's we're we're up there and well all the employees stayed in this place with bunk beds and stuff they had a whole facility they're like yeah you're gonna stay with us we ended up hanging out partying eating and drinking all night with those people it was so much fun what turned out to what thought i thought was going to be just absolute hell turned out to be just a phenomenal wonderful experience you so know? is that when you fell in love because i know you fell in love with switzerland at some point in your life um is that it i fell in love with it the first time i was there i really did i was still going that was I was still going through the dad stuff at the time and Christmas okay. time was the worst for me because it was the 23rd when he died and I had to go, you know, take care of all that stuff. None of my other brothers and sisters would deal with it. It was all on me. And um, so that was never a really good time for me. And we got there on the 22nd and that was the first time I went through that period of time that it didn't affect me. I don't know. It just, it's, it's a rip in time. The part of Switzerland that I'm in love with is valet. The first time we played up there, we went up to one of the ski stations, and the guys just get out of the out of the van and go walking in, and I'm running around, locking all the doors. And like, what are you What are you doing? <laughs> Our stuff's in there. Yeah. Nobody's gonna take it. What? Nobody's gonna take it. So we we load in, we do our sound check. We're staying up there. I go to the owner. So what's our chalet? I'll go two streets down, take a left. Your guys is all the way at the end. Okay, where's the key? We don't have a key. It's open. Okay, so how do we lock it? You don't lock it. So us being the, <laughs> the idiot Americans, you know, we come to the gig with our suitcases at the side of the stage, you know, bags and stuff. But one of my best friends, um, and he's not just in Switzerland, but just one of my best friends of all. Um, his nickname is Gizmo because when we met him, he had this huge mohawk. He's in HVAC, and he leaves his tools and everything in his truck. 
He leaves the truck unlocked and sometimes his keys in the truck. They don't lock their doors. They don't have to. And there's just a certain level of decency and hospitality that they just show to you. It's, I don't know. It's just a. It's really refreshing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When I was it's growing up a, in, in Des Moines, Iowa, it was like that when I was little. It's not today. You know, it's changed drastically. Um, but I've, I've had an opportunity to travel through Switzerland. Uh, I haven't specifically been there, but uh, for the most part, most of the places I've traveled around the world, people are just incredibly gracious and hospitable and welcoming. And um, yeah. but, but some places more so than others, to your point, you know, where it's like, yeah, you don't need to lock the door. <laughs> and when oh, you come from, oh. like, especially a big city in America, you're like, I don't yeah. know if that's a good idea. You know, it's yeah. really hard to get your head around it. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Chicago and I was living in Southern California at the yeah. time. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> No, but it's, you know, so that place. Yeah, you're like lived, six deadbolts and alarm system. They exactly. still stole my stereo. <laughs> and, and I went over there to live. And so it wasn't just, um, you know, just going over there and being treated that way because I was playing in a band and stuff. It was, right. you know, I, I want to I live there. That's where I want to finish up the rest of my time. And I wanted to make sure that I could do it. And I had gone through a really, um, I'd blown my right ear out. And I had what was called a massive ear concussion. Well, I was going to ask and, you about that because that happened during a yeah. show, right? Yeah, yeah, it was happened during a setup of a show. We were doing a multi-band night and uh, half of it was my fault and half was the sound man's fault. But I was sound checking and I had my in-ears on, which I shouldn't have done. And he had bust my CB mic to the wrong channel. Hmm. And when I hit the button to check it, an excruciating loud feedback shot through it felt like somebody had stuck a pencil in my ear. Actually, oh my God. I actually almost fell over on my side. I kind of stumbled. Um, and the subsequent time to be able to take the time off that I needed was maddening. I ground my teeth down pretty bad trying to sleep at night because it was just like the whole time. You know, I mean, if I rolled on the ear that was bad, I could hear it in my head. If I rolled on the ear that was good, I could hear it everywhere else. He told me I needed to take at least six months off. He he rec he said it was basically like somebody shooting a fifty cal off next to my head. Mm. He said, but in that case, they don't continue to blast loud music down their ears. He's right. Like, at some point, you're going to have to take a break, and you're going to have to think this thing away. So I went there, and my friends put me up. You know, I got an apartment. Uh, my friend Vince gave me a room at his apartment, and they come and go as you please. And our friend Nicholas, who was our tour manager over there, he booked me in ski pubs, just playing acoustic and doing after ski to make my money. And um, it was a it was a wonderful time. I got to I got to go see a lot of stuff. Um, one of my brothers died while I was there of a heart attack, and I was able to bring my mom over and take her away from all that stuff yeah. and just take her all over the place for three weeks. It was a phenomenal experience, and um, we have just some amazing friends over there. Well, I, I, you know, because uh, we've talked about it, I'm cheering for you to get over there because I want a place to come visit and go skiing and hang Absolutely. out. You know? And you can yeah. put me to work. I'll make burritos or whatever during the day. I'll, <laughs> I'll earn my keep, man. Brick on burritos. So You're, in, you're earning your keep right now. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> um, speaking of, of good things that have happened to you over the course of your career, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you met your wife uh, performing with Ida's, I correct? I did, yeah. She, and um, in Phoenix, no less. Actually, yes. She was, uh, we came into town and she was a brand new waitress. 
And she's what, 30 years younger than you? Maybe 40? Oh, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Only 18. Okay. That's not too bad. I didn't plan it, man. It's just how it happened. (laughs) Exactly. I look at it like this I'm very immature, and she's very (laughs) mature. So we just, we kind of meet in the middle. (laughs) But um, no, it was, yeah, I I met her, and um, I didn't even see her face. I was coming up to the bar to to get my lemons. For those of you who've ever seen itis, you know, I consistently eat lemons all night because that helps clear the mucus and crap out of my throat. And um, I saw her at the bar from the back. I just kind of stopped. And I went to talk to Ashley, the other waitress. I'm like, who's the new girl? And she's like, did you see her? I'm like, actually, no, I just saw her from the back. (laughs) And she's like, you're weird. So, um, <laughs> You're like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I I was trying to chat her up during um, one of the breaks a little. You know, she obviously was busy. So before we were going to go on stage, it was like, you know, is there a song that you'd like to hear? And she asked me, well, do you guys know any Radiohead? And we played Creep, but this was years ago. Yeah. I'm not even sure what drummer it was that we'd done it with. <laughs> so I got up on stage and I'm like, Craig, do you think we'll pull off creep? Yeah, I think so. And he starts refreshing Mikey on the, it's only four chords, you know, it's the same progression. And uh so we get to th- we play a couple songs and I go, So, you know, just wanna send this song out to the to the new ra- waitress, Jenna, make sure you take care of her and we start the song before I even sing a single word I see her walk out of the club to have a cigarette she wasn't <laughs> even there for which is pretty perfect because I don't think that I would have wanted to be with somebody who was you know that much into the band right it was, it was just I don't know and so she she was in a relationship and we just were kind of friends chatting here and there a little bit of it was back in the MySpace days. Okay, so, um, yeah, you know, a couple of MySpace things here and there, and then about a year later, we went on our first date, and the rest is history. How long have you guys yeah. been married now? Uh, eight years. We just celebrated eight years on the twenty second. Congratulations! Thanks, man. Yeah. You were there. Uh, I was there, and it was a fantastic wedding. And Mike officiated, if I remember correctly. Yes, right? he did. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, kind of a. I mean, the reception was kind of like a rock show that a wedding kind yes. of broke out at. The Waters did their songs, and I did a couple songs with them, and I played with my brother, Michael. And then, um, you know, I just did some songs. And then Crystal from The Waters, she ran open mic nights at the Dubliner, and I just said, hey, you know, we've got like 25, 30 musicians here. Will you just put them up and run this like an open mic night? So we had combinations you'll never see again. You know, I, I, the music just turned out to be phenomenal. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a really good time. That was, that was a really, really beautiful way. And I had that, uh, that winery, I don't remember the name of the winery, but I just remember where it was. Yeah. That was such a great, um, venue for, for a wedding. It was fantastic. Yeah. And then we had the reception up in Jerome. In Jerome, which for anybody that doesn't know, I know there's people from all over the world listening to this podcast. Uh, Jerome is an old, well, I think everything in Arizona is an old mining town at one point or another, but it's kind of an artist (laughs) colony now. It's really a cool, eclectic little town. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and that was Jenna's place. That was her spot, you know, so it was really cool to have that. And that kind of was where we used to go during the summertime, you know, to get out of the heat and stuff. We'd bounce up to the Verde Valley and hang out there, so it was kind of our jam to be there. So it was it was apropos that that was where we got married. So Idis is coming out with a new album. Yeah, a long time coming. The last one we released was 2009. Oh, very um, long time coming. 
Yeah. 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 Are all the tracks done yet or? Not all of them. Um, I'm working on track number 14 for me right now. Because like I told you earlier, we decided when we were making our second record, we'd make 10 records, you know, and and talk about it. Well, we never got to that 10 because we made nine studio records. Then we did the kids CD where we changed the world yeah. to some of the foulest. <laughs> I would imagine um, it changed songs. quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cheek to cheek became sweets and treats. Oh, you know? perfect. Yeah. I want to eat some snacks. <laughs> um, so the double entendre is still there. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third one, we went into a studio in Las Vegas and we recorded the most popular songs from our first, I think five or six records. I don't know what it was. Um, so, uh, it was 2013 and Craig emailed me a few tracks um, and said, hey, I've just been thinking about, you know, we never got to that 10th record and maybe we could, you know, start thinking about doing it. When, but you know how life gets, you know, yeah. like Craig had already moved to Maui at that point and um, I was in Phoenix. Tom was in Minnesota working for a band called Hairball that was on the road all the time and Mikey was here in the Springs. It just didn't really come around uh, to happening. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, Craig's been, like I said, living in Maui, and he's really plugged himself into that scene out there. So he was just killing it playing music for a living. He played two nights a week on a whale-watching boat. He played another night in the bar at the Hyatt that was right on the sand. He played another night in a band that played for the docked cruise ships and stuff, and he was just, you know, killing it. And everything got shut down. So he started a Facebook group with other musician friends like the waters and jay allen in phoenix as well and marty lucas in phoenix and um other people in other parts of the country that were all out of work and so they had this concept everybody say so it's a monday everybody puts in a phrase and you want to make it kind of nondescript you don't want to make it first person or anything like that you just kind of want to make it like till next time or something like that okay and so then Craig randomly draws from all those phrases one and posts it. And I've got two weeks to write and record a song. It doesn't have to be in a studio. Some people just did it on their iPhone playing mm-hmm. their guitar or the piano or whatever. And you have to post the lyrics and stuff. And Craig would always produce his and make videos for him and everything else. So he was sending me a lot of the songs that he was doing. And Craig, I'm telling you, he's he's always been a really good songwriter, but this has just pushed a new plateau for him because he has just been cranking them out like every two weeks since last March. And about, I want to say August of last year, he invited me in and said, you know, if you want to, you you can come in. So I had some tracks from what he had sent me before, and I started with those. And I'd spend the first week just beating the track into my head till I came up with an idea for a chorus and I'd sing the melody of the chorus back into my phone and then okay what's this chorus going to be about because the the phrase just has to appear in its entirety it can't be split up but it doesn't have to be the subject matter of the song it doesn't have to be um the chorus of the song it doesn't have to be anything it just has to appear somewhere in there so for me I was I'm I'm like I'm gonna write start writing the new itis record Mm -hmm. so I would, okay, what's this chorus going to be about? When I got an idea for the chorus, I'd then sing that chorus with the melody of it into my phone. And then I'd just keep pounding that into my head for the remaining days until Saturday. And Saturday's the one day of the week that I 
sleep in and have a pretty long breakfast and chill out. And so I'd do that. And afterwards, I'd come downstairs with um, my my phone and with my MacBook, and I'd write out all of the um, verses, come up with all the, the words for the verses right then and there, and the partial melody. And then I have a friend in town here, Trevor, who's got a Pro Tool studio at his house. So I'd go to his house that afternoon into the evening, and um, we'd put Craig on his iPad on Facebook Live, and Craig would produce the session from Oh, that's Maui. awesome. Yeah. And like, and let Good us, use of so, technology there. Yeah, <laughs> and we'd build a map that way. So we'd, we'd at least build the song out to where I had a good idea that this is where it was going to go. And then, you know, Craig would go on with his day because that's usually like noon his time. Yeah. And um, I would continue to knock out six, eight passes of everything, give him multiples of everything that we could. And then they'd get emailed off to him from there. And then he would take them, add uh, harmonies and stuff like that, chop them up and send it back to me and then post it on, on the page, on the Facebook page. And if there were problems... Um, like he didn't get something that he wanted. Trevor gave me his iRig, which is what I'm using right now. And I'd just go into our, our basement guest room and knock out any issues that were, that, that Craig needed that he, you know, he, he wasn't getting in the tracks that I'd sent him. Sure. And, and there was one occasion where my MO normally on, on most nights is I nod out on the couch. That's been, <laughs> that's just been the way I go forever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then I, I crashed a couple hours on the couch and I go up and go to bed. Well, this was a, a Sunday because he was putting the song together and um, my phone goes off and I, it's Craig texting me. And I, I, this was before I had the iRig and I'd gone to Mikey's house because he's got a, a small Pro Tool studio because I was trying to fix a couple of things that I didn't get done at Trevor's. And Mikey ended up not sending him one part of what we did. So he's like, I've got everything but this one part of the song. And the song is called Soul Break. And the chorus is, I can't take another soul break. It's bringing me down. So he's like, I got everything but the taglines at the end. And he's like, I go, well, do you want me to just like do them on my phone? I'm half asleep. I'm like, do you, I can do them on my phone. So I go out in my garage. And this is the end of the song. So it's, <laughs> damn. Yeah. Know? So I'm out in my garage going, I can't take another soul break. And so I sent it to that. I do like four of them, and I sent it to him. He's like, no, no, you didn't get it that time. And he goes, by the way, what the heck is a soul break? <laughs> he goes, I don't know what a soul break is, but I, I think you should take one. <laughs> and and I, I write back, soul break, and I split it up um, hyphenetically, hyphened it, and I'm like, the process of screaming in your garage at nobody in the middle of the night. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> so, so after that, I told that to Trevor. He goes, oh, man, just take my iRig. So I, I took his iRig, and because of his schedule, there's been a couple of songs on the demos. Like, I've just been recording demos. These are okay. the, the actual tracks. Are, it's just Craig um, doing everything and me singing. He's doing the drums on his keyboard. Um, sometimes he plays real bass. Other times it's just on the keyboard. But there's been a couple I've actually done the whole song in my basement because Trevor just wasn't available. Um, it's a little bit more difficult for me because not being able to... I mean, having a guy there to chop and cut and paste and get you mm -hmm. know, stitch everything together just makes the, the whole process so much easier. Yeah. 
But yeah, I've done a couple fully here. And the nice thing about this is that we've never, we've never had demos to prepare for the actual tracks before. We've always just gone in because we had such a busy schedule being right. on the road. So when it came time to record, you know, Mike and Mikey and Tom, they didn't even know how the song was going to go. You know, they're they're recording their tracks with Craig just playing guitar in their headphones. You know, they don't even know until some rough uh, vocal tracks get done what the song's going to be like. So now they've got the opportunity to learn the song and put more of themselves into it, you know, because before they're going off of Craig's demos, you know, the, the, the drums Craig wrote and the bass Craig wrote. Right. And so they, they put some of them their own stuff in, but now they've had all this time. So I'm excited to see what the end product is. So Oh, I'm really I'm excited on, too. So you, yeah. you did send me one of the tracks, uh, Boring yeah. Day. What's the story behind yeah. that song? That concept was from a long, long time ago. Um, I was still living in Phoenix. It was probably it was either 2013 or 2014, and we were, it was one of my few days off, and we were hanging at um, our friend's Tommy Lynette's house, and they were having a get-together, and I was overhearing somebody talk about how, you know, how bored they were at this and how bored this day was. And I was like, I'd kill for a boring day. You know, I would, I would, <laughs> yeah, that'd be a treat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was just it, that concept sat in my brain for a long time. And then when it came time to do, do these songs and stuff, I was like, well, I know everybody else has the opposite, but I'm still busy as hell. I never stopped working. I mean, yeah. we've been flying. If nothing, home sales have gone through the roof and we've just been so busy. So it was the, the concept was apropos for me right now, just as it was, you know, back then. And um, I'm really happy with the song. I really oh. like it. Oh, I think it's a fantastic song. And having said that, let's share. Let's do the world premiere of Boring of Day demo. by Ida. Of the oh, demo. the demo. Okay, it's yes. Just the demo. I, I appreciate uh, maybe that. We can yes. all come, maybe we can all come back when the actual track is done and we'll we'll do the world premiere of the actual track i would love to do that as well so we'll do the world premiere of the demo though for sure today yes because we can travel then and we can all be in your studio at the same time instead of just me wouldn't that be awesome i wish we were sitting here together today that'd be really fun yeah Yeah. i'm i i so i'm looking i'm so looking forward to being able to go somewhere again um number one is going home to see my mom I missed her 90th birthday last year for this, mm. and I want to be there for 91. So we're just waiting for her. In Illinois, they don't have they don't have the Johnson and Johnson available. I just got it available, and that's what her doctor said that she should take is that one. Um, I guess it's, the side effects are a lot less. I don't know. I don't know the exact realm about it, but yeah, I get my second shot on the ninth. I'll be uh, 14 days later, fully inoculated. So May 24th is her birthday, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, does she know you're coming back? Is it going to be a surprise? Or, um, Well, <laughs> that in itself is... is um, she does know that I'm, um, that I'm coming back, but um, my mom is on the doorstep of stage four dementia right now, so mm. um, it'll still be a surprise. Yeah. No, I hear it. Well, what an what a awesome opportunity to go back and see her, though. 91? Yeah. That's fantastic. I know, I know. So right now, let's play Boring Day Demo by Itis.
there's someone to see so many things ahead they're just waiting for me no break inside no time to think cause there's too many places too many places to be i'm late can't wait can't hesitate gotta keep on moving got a very important day running wrong no time for fun no time to stop and see i'll talk to anyone go and go and go For a boring day Ain't got no time for you Too much is on my plate Just searching for a boring day Come through the doors to so much more No time to rest, just a pause Till on the floor It's never through too much to do Seems like it's done but there's Something new Please just a break This is a plea You wanna stop for a minute And just be able to be There's no time like the present But some time at the present It would sure be a present to me Go and go and go I've got so much to do Too much is in my way just searching for a boring day Ain't got no time for you Too much is on my plate Just searching for a boring day Go and go and go This is a plea, you wanna stop for a minute and just be able to be I've got so much to do, too much is in my way Just searching for a boring day Ain't got no time for you, too much is on my plate just searching for a boring day Go and go and go Searching for a boring day Go and go and go Searching for a boring day Go and go and go Searching for a boring day Go and go and go Just searching for a boring day Mark, is there anything else you want to share about this song now that everybody's had a chance to listen to it? Um, I, you know, I, I, it's just a nice little preview of, of what's to come, I guess. Um, uh, Mikey's got a song that's going on this record. Um, unfortunately, uh, we lost his mom last March to COVID, mm. and he couldn't even go back for a service until August. And um, he wrote this song, and... Um, produced it over at our friend Trevor's house and did it for the, the video and stuff that they put together. And he wants us to retrack it and he wants me to sing it. So he wants that on the record. Like I told you, Craig's been just a writing machine and he's going to put out a solo album, but he wants to make it all acoustic. So he will, we're going to have a, a, quite a few songs, electric songs from him as well that are going to go on this thing. So we'll probably 
Be another 21-track album, you think? We'll or? fill it up again, man. <laughs> We're going to eat up the hard drive on this one. So, Well, Mark, mm-hmm. anything else you want to share? I know I've, I've kept you quite a while, um, and I oh, really appreciate your time. Been, uh, it's been my pleasure, man. I'll start looking for us again because um, we'll, be, we'll be playing, I think, this next this year at some point. But um, now we be coming to Phoenix, you think? Or? I certainly hope so. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, Phoenix was definitely one of our best markets. The the crew out there that came to see us two weeks straight i mean these people were out almost every night um hardcore hardcore right as people in phoenix so i certainly hope we'll be playing phoenix like i said we usually only play once or twice a year and um looking forward to getting this record out um and really looking forward to being able to play again um well, I know I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing the whole record. Um, I yeah. love the first track that I've heard so far. The first demo track that I've heard. I want to be. Well, Mark, thank you very much for your time. And I really thank appreciate you, it. And thanks for joining us on Out of the Ether. Take care. Yeah.